In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> the deacons of the church have been asked throughout the summer to give a series of homilies to support the Eucharistic renewal. Today, I have been asked to preach on how to prepare for Mass and reception of communion. Rather than preaching on the basics, such as fasting at least an hour before church, uh, excuse me, an hour before reception of communion, and only receiving communion when you're in a state of grace, which, by the way, every Catholic should know this, and if you don't, you now know it, I would like to focus more on the spiritual preparation. So while preparing for this homily, I was going over the readings and the Gospels for both the ordinary form and the extra extraordinary form of the Mass. And I noticed a confluence of symbolism. Fruit. Not just fruit, but good fruit. In the ordinary form, we hear the parable of the sower, who spreads his seed generously. As anyone with the slightest bit of a green thumb would know, seeds require a hospitable environment in order to take root and to flourish. First off, the seeds must be protected from being stolen away and shielded from the elements. The seed must be in the soil, not on it. Secondly, the seed must be able to take root in the soil. If the ground is too hard, the roots cannot penetrate, and a seed would lack the ability to draw in water and grow. Finally, even if a seed was able to take root, the resultant flora must be able to take in nutrients from the soil and the sun but should there be a more aggressive plant competing for the same resources, what was once a seed could never grow to its full potential and yield good fruits. Now, contrast that with the gospel in the extraordinary form, where Jesus warns of false prophets and that we would know them by their fruits. That which bringeth forth evil or or bad fruit cannot be good, and that which bringeth forth good fruit cannot be evil. We all want to reap good fruit, and the fruit of grace and sanctification promised to us in the reception of the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. He has sown the seed in our hearts, but the question is, what type of soul have we provided? How do we prepare this soil for sowing? First, before we answer the question of how, we must answer the questions of who, what, where, when, and why. You will see an article in this week's bulletin where I expound upon these questions. So we begin our preparation by thoughtfully reflecting on these questions constantly throughout the week and throughout our lives. It is essential that we understand the answers and not just hear them. Lest the evil one and his influence over the world come and sweep us away. We must immerse ourselves in the study of these questions by reading sacred scripture, the works of the fathers of the church, the catechism, and most importantly, by talking to the author of creation 
our Father in heaven, we must pray. Now, I'm about to put the altar servers uh, on the spot here. I didn't give them a heads up, but I have a pop quiz for you. Every altar server who dons a cassock in this parish should be able to finish this sentence. We, for begin, uh, we prepare for prayer with prayer, yes. Prayer is the most important step in preparation for Mass and for receiving Holy Communion. We absolutely need to know who it is that we are receiving. And how can you know someone if you never talk to them? Not just in passing, but in-depth conversation. We must seek out our God. Next, we must make sure that our faith and prayer have deep and strong roots. Our faith cannot be superficial. Our church cannot be superficial. We must be rooted in Christ. We must not follow the values and virtue signaling of the world, but rather stay strong in our faith. We must look to that which has borne good fruit and find the fertile soil that allows for deep roots. The Catholic Church is rooted in that very soul. Ever ancient, ever new. Planted by the sower himself. How many churches do we see out there claiming to be of God, yet succumbing to the ever-moving guideposts of worldly morality? Now, I am not a cradle Catholic, and it saddens me to see the uh, saddens my heart to see the church which I grew up in, rocked by the insistence of allowing those who flaunt God's law and design to not only advocate their disordered lifestyle but take it to the level of ordaining them and giving them the bully pulpit to push their twisted sense of morality on their congregations, leading many astray and giving them only a superficial grasp of what the Lord's love truly is. Unfortunately, our own church is not without its thorns. Yes, we have those who would, uh, in the church who would see the church abandon what has been handed down throughout the ages in an effort to appease those who seek only a superficial happiness. These thorns seek to choke out the very vine planted by God. But our God is not a lazy gardener who simply sows the seeds and forgets the pruning shears. I tell you, a pruning is a coming. We must prepare ourselves with a constant examination of conscience to ensure that we do not become entangled with these thorns, these thorns of anxiety, riches, apathy, and disordered affections, lest we allow our faith and our relationship on, with God to be choked out and we ourselves be pruned and cast aside. Communion with God is not a once a week on Sundays and during holy days of obligation proposition. Yes, we receive sacramental graces when we receive the Blessed Sacrament while in a state of grace. But there is more to that. We may not be aware of mortal sins, but if we do not love God with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole mind, if we do not seek to do His will on this earth as it is in heaven, 
we are not living in union with God. We must approach this altar and the Blessed Sacrament with fear and trembling, with joy and confidence, with love and compassion. As we prepare to approach the King of Kings, the Bridegroom, we must be sure to don our wedding garments and have oil for our lanterns. The late Pope Benedict XVI once said, each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is necessary. The God of the universe loves you so much to not only will you into existence, but to continue to think on you each day, each one of you individually. Is it not fitting that we should in turn return that love to him and think on him more than we currently do? Thus, we may ensure that the soul is rich and ripe for the sowing, so the fruits may flourish in our hearts. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.